Blog Talk Radio. Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell here with John Harlow as we bring you another great episode of Talking in Circles. This weekend we will review the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 400 from the Chicagoland Speedway Race 1 of the Chase for the NASCAR Sprint Cup and we'll preview the ne- next weekend's race at New Hampshire Motor Speedway and of course we'll dive into the penalties, what I call fiasco after this, these weekend's races. This weekend's race uh, with Martin Truex Jr. and Jimmy Johnson's cars failing post-race inspection, but no penalties. We'll discuss why. Plus, we'll take your phone calls, 917-889-8280, here on another great episode of Talking in Circles. But first, it was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 400 Chicagoland Speedway. Martin Truex Jr. wins his third career NASCAR Sprint Cup Series victory. Uh, he had a really fast race car all day long, got a little bit of trouble uh, during the race, um, with a left rear tire, left tire going down, left side tire going down. They had the pit, uh, unscheduled pit stop. He got towards the rear of the field, was able to work his way back up to the field, got help with a caution, a couple of cautions. One in particular with, with eight laps to go where it looked like Chase Elliott was going to win, and Martin Truex Jr. was able to, uh, who had a faster car, Chase it looked like he was going to be able to hold him off, but when the caution came out, pit stops came, Truex got out in front of Elliott. Elliott couldn't chase Truex down. And Martin Truex Jr. won his third career NASCAR Sprint Cup Series victory at Chicago Land Speedway. And John Harlow, as I bring you in, it's been pretty remarkable what this furniture racing team has been able to do this year. Martin Truex Jr. went uh, about 11 years in, of, of his career with three victories, and he's got three victories here in 2016. I, as we started the chase, we, we both said the 78 team, if they can get their issues fixed on pit road, they've had the speed all year as all the Toyotas have. And Truex, as Barney Visser brought out in the post-race press conference, took less money to stay at Furniture Row this year. And it shows how much he believed in that team and how much they they grew last year by making the chase, getting to the Final Four, understanding what the Toyota power is going to bring to him and how this team has gelled. And now he's got a new two-year deal with Furniture Row. I think Truex definitely is one to contend with. But it was funny, I saw a comic strip the other day where it had a picture of Cole Pern, and they called him the new Chad. Hey, you know, it, it's very, you know, uh, I understand that completely. I understand where they're coming from, because when Cole Pern took over this team, you know, Martin Trucks Jr. was there, and they finished 26th in points with Todd Berry as a crew chief when they were at Chevrolet. And as soon as Cole Pern got there, it looked like him and Truex have clicked. Um, you know, he's, a, he's an engineer background. And that's what this sport's come to now. These engineers, because the race, that's, the notes are so close, the cars are so close, everything's so close now. These engineers can figure that out. And uh, Cole Pern looks like he is a was a diamond in the rough there, and they have found him and exposed him. He's been phenomenal for that team. You know, I said it last week on the show that the Toyota teams, Kyle Busch included, and everybody at Joe Gibbs Racing was saying we're chasing that '78 team. And that just shows you, you know, right where that '78 team's been this year. Um, they've been the best car of all the Joe Gibbs racing cars who have been the best team in racing. So they've been the fastest race car. It looked like they were going to cough up again um, with having the fast race, fastest race car there and not being able to win, but uh, they were able to come back. And it wasn't anything they, they did. You know, a tire got blown, so that was their fault. But, um, you know, kind of a, a an interesting day at 
Chicago Land Speedway just because I think there was a lot of surprises as far as who finished where. You know, Ryan Blaney had a really solid day, you know, for a rookie driver who I said before last week, John, you know, they needed to prove themselves. And they've gone out here in this first run of the chase, ran the top five, top ten all day, finished fourth. Uh, that was a very good run. Casey Kane, another team that I thought needs to build some momentum for 2017. They ran in the top ten all day, finished seventh. Hendrick Motorsports looked like a team that had found themselves a little bit. Jimmy Johnson was up front. He kind of got uh, off sequence on a caution in the middle of a race due to a a loose tire, which I didn't think needed to be thrown on pit road. But Hendrick Motorsports that was was strong all day. It looked like Chase Elliott was Chase Elliott was eight laps away from pulling off his first vict- uh, Cup Series victory, and it's it's essential for Hendrick Motorsports to find what they needed. Um, and they had, a, they had a very good day at Chicago and Speedway, John. I think they did, um, with Chase being able to run up there, up in the front all day. Johnson was respectable again. Kane finally showed something for the first time, I mean, for the first real time this year that Kane actually was respectable. Top 10 run for Casey Kane. Um, and as you talk about uh, Kyle Busch saying that they're chasing the 78 team, I go back to something Brad Keselowski said during the week last week, whenever he said about the team's that supply equipment to everybody, or no, Jimmy Johnson said it about supplying equipment to others because Jimmy Johnson's team has the same chassis, same engines as Stuart Haas. Martin Truex has the same chassis, same engine as Joe Gibbs racing, but you, what you give them, and then they put their team of engineers to find those tweaks and things to make it faster you're getting double the engineering because your engineers are taking what's already put together. And it seems like Hendrick and Gibbs at times have fallen behind the equipment that they uh, lease or sell to the other teams that they're working with. You got to wonder how long these alliances are going to continue. Now, one of the things that uh, chocolate said whenever they were talking about it on Sirius XM last week was, the money that comes out of those things from the engine leases from the chassis sales and the different things helps power the Hendrick Motorsports, the RCRs, the Joe Gibbs racing. But how long are they going to continue to sit there and get beat by their own stuff? Gibbs has continually been, I mean, not Gibbs, Hendrick has been getting continually beat by Harvick in basically Hendrick equipment with Stuart Haas engineering on top of it since Harvick walked into Stuart Haas. Yeah, and Harvick, another good. They had another fast race car on Sunday. They just lost some track position again. Uh, I have to find a lap here real quick, but there was a caution that came out again. And listen, NASCAR's in a tough spot with these cautions, and it happened. Leave on lap 193, or or where a caution came out in the middle of green flag pit stops due to a loose wheel. And I'm sorry, um, a, a wheel that was on pit road. It was laying in the grass in the infield. And I'm sorry, there there needs to be a, a thing in this where NASCAR kind of needs to use their head a little bit, where you say, you know what, we're in good shape, we're okay, we're hanging in there. Um, you know, yeah, we don't want somebody to hit that tire, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll let the green flag pit stops go. It's not affecting anything on the racetrack. We'll let the green flag pit stops cycle around, then throw the caution. Uh, I just don't like that. I just don't like how it affected the way that everybody finished on Sunday. Sure, it made it more quote unquote entertaining, more interesting that certain people had to work their way up to the field. But uh, I, I just didn't like the way that that sat with me. I just thought maybe we could let it go through. And uh, you know, the likelihood of somebody hitting that tire is very, very rare. 
Um, and to me, I just thought it was kind of an overreaction to a caution flag. And it really put a, put a, you know, a, a screw job in the race for a lot of the teams. Like I said, Harvick wasn't able to work his way through the field at all. And uh, it really hurt them. But, you know, there's a lot of teams who really needed to have a good run this weekend and didn't. Uh, you know, you look at, you need to do better than that. Tony Stewart, 16th. Carl Edwards, 15th. Kyle Larson, 18th. And Kevin Harvick, 20th. Those are all chasers. Uh, Chris Buescher, 28th. You know, Ross Fenway as a whole was, was not very good on Sunday. I'll give you Ross Fenway's three cars finishes right now. Turbane in 23rd, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in 25th, and Greg Biffle in 26th. Add Chris Bush to that, who's got the RAS Alliance. They finished 28th. That's not going to get it done if Chris Busher wants to advance through the round. And I understand a lot of people think Busher is a nice story, and they, they think he has the talent, and he does. Um, but I don't know if this team has what it takes to advance. And a, a very, very disappointing finish for them at Chicagoland Speedway on Sunday, John. And they're going to need really a, a, a miracle I think to pull through the next round. Well, when we all made our picks last week, we all said unanimously, you, me, and Lee in Virginia, all said that Chris Busher is a good little race car driver. He just doesn't have the equipment right now. Roush Fenway is behind everybody. And part of it's why you see Petty, uh, Richard Petty Motorsports starting to do their own stuff because they're not getting – good stuff from Ralph. Part of the reason the Wood Brothers aligned with Penske. They weren't getting the good stuff from Ralph. There isn't good stuff coming out of Ralph. And you got to wonder how long it's going to be where Robbie Reiser continues to be the competition director and how long it is until Jack shakes things up or just gets uh, completely out of it one way or the other. When you talked about the caution flag for the, the tire that was rolling and they did it in the middle of green flag pit stops, it really makes today's announcement It even sickens me more because of the penalties that we'll talk about later that Mm. they didn't give them because it it wouldn't be fair to both of them. What about Harvick who's in the pits when they throw the caution? What about the other people who got caught a lap down because they threw a caution for a tire that's laying in the grass that it would take a miracle to hit, but they throw the caution, where's the fairness there? I mean, it's like NASCAR yeah, talking out of both sides of their mouth. And we saw another questionable debris caution later on in the race, and uh, you know that was kind of, in my opinion, ridiculous in a way. And I, I hate them. I hate debris cautions. And I've said that, especially because I think some of them are in a convenient where we keep cars, certain cars on the lead lap, especially in this case format here where we keep certain cars on the lead lap. Um, you know, I, I thought there was a couple that came out to keep maybe 16, 18 cars on the lead lap to keep it more interesting, as people would say. So, yeah, you know, I, I didn't like that caution at all. I didn't like uh, the precaution. You know, the last one was, I think it was, let me get the number here, I think it was eight to go. Uh, the last one with, with um, Michael McDowell blew a, a, a tire and, and had some, he spewed some debris all over the racetrack. That was obviously a, a legit caution. He, he spewed some big-time debris on the racetrack. He was really doing well. Um, and, and that's unfortunate, you know, that, that, that had to happen. But, uh, you know, Chase looked like he was en route to his first career cup victory. It looked, it looked great for Chase Elliott. It really did. Everybody was like, man, Chase, here he comes. And, uh, fortunately was not to be. 517-889-8280 here on Talking Circles. It's funny about Chase Elliott. I mentioned, you know, it seems like he's just been kind of 
finishing second a lot lately, you know, finishing in third. His dad was the same way. People forget Bill through 81, 82, and even for the first part of 1983 until he won at Riverside, had some very, very good runs there. And there was some question of whether or not Bill Elliott was ever going to win a race in the NASCAR uh, Winston Cup Series back then. And he had some very frustrating losses early on in his career. But once he won one, it took off like a rocket ship. He won uh, one in 83, I think six in 84. And then, of course, he had a, a historical year in 85 where he won 11 races and a million dollars. But uh, it was a, you know, Chase is, is starting his career sort of similar to his dad where, you know, we've seen Chase really do a lot of smart things, a lot of great things. Uh, and just lose these races by a little, little bit. Um, and I find that interesting that, that, that Chase is sort of starting his career. You know, even Harry Gant was a guy who I think a lot of people had uh, early in his career finished a lot of second spots. Do you think, John, that's a good thing for a young kid to kind of learn disappointment and learn how to lose a little bit before he could win? If you compare it to the other stick and ball sports, if you look back at the NBA, um, it used to be always the Celtics then the Knicks finally got past the Celtics. And then Detroit got past the Knicks. And how many times did it take Michael Jordan to get past the, Detroit, the bad boys in Detroit? And then once Jordan won one, they won every year the last six he was in Chicago. Same thing a lot of times when you get to the playoffs. A lot of times your first time in the NFL playoffs, you get knocked out in the first round. But you have to get there to learn how to advance to the next round and understand what the situation is. Chase Elliott is a solid race car driver. He's shown it in every level he's ever participated in. He's got a good crew chief with Alan Gustafson. He's got great equipment with Hendrick Motorsports. And even this year, I mean, Hendrick Motorsports has been a little bit off. And Chase Elliott still managed to point his way into the chase without a win. And he was in the top 10 in points. I mean, he was higher in points in half of the chase field. Mm-hmm. And he's yeah. just been solid all year. There hasn't, I mean, his, where he beats himself up and says he makes mistakes because he spun the tires on a restart. Half the drivers spin their tires on, I mean, get loose on the restart, their tires, they, their rear tires spin, and they don't get a good jump off the start. There's many drivers who've done that. Kyle Busch has done it. The only one I've ever seen not do it's Ron Hornaday. Everybody else, at some time or another, is going to lose the rear end coming on the restart, not get a good jump, and they're going to lose races. But Chase Elliott didn't let it go from, I spun my tires on the restart. He still finished second or third. He didn't go back and finish 15th or get himself into a wreck trying to do something stupid to get back up. So he's consistent, he's solid, and he will win a race. If not before the end of the chase this year, he will win a couple next year. 917-889-8280 917-889-8280 here if you want to join the show on Talking Circles. I agree. I think Chase has been great, um, and I think he's definitely a favorite to come through this to this round of 12. He ran so good. That car was so fast. You know, the fastest car at the racetrack was Martin Trix Jr. in the 78 in front of Joe Racing, but the second fastest car, I think, there all day long was Chase selling it. And, you know, Trix, when he had an issue, Chase was able to capitalize. It was just man, it just seemed like the racing gods were a little bit against Chase Elliott there towards the end of that race when Michael McDowell blew that tire and, and spewed debris all over the racetrack. That was tough to take. I'll tell you another driver who I was impressed with. You know, it wasn't a great run all day long. Uh, I think we use the word great a, a little bit too loosely nowadays. But he had a solid day. He did everything he needed to do. 
Um, and this is a guy trying to prove himself, I think, a little bit. Ran in the top 10 for most of the day, ran out, ran about the top 15 for basically all day, and gave that 88 car its first top 10 finish since the departure of Dale Earnhardt Jr., and that was Alex Bowman. I thought Bowman had a very good weekend, had a good weekend, I should say. Um, they weren't, they didn't practice as great as they could have, but again, they're still learning each other. They're still learning. Great guys are still learning Alex Bowman. Um, but I think this was a, a good finish, a nice run to build on here as we move forward in that 88 car. Um, you know, Bowman, again, a guy who was sort of passed over for Jeff Gordon earlier in the year. And I think once Dale Earnhardt Jr. announced he was going to miss the rest of the year, uh, Hendricks said, we want to put this young kid in there, see what he's got. Um, did, did an admirable job on, on Sunday. Uh, he's going to run New Hampshire, which is interesting because he ran there last time. So this will be his second race there. And he was running in the top 10 when the last time he went there in that 88 car. So uh, it should be an interesting day for Alex Bowman as well there at New Hampshire. But I thought a pretty solid day. You know, they always say, John, it, it, with the young kids and the rookies like that, if you don't hear their name, if you don't hear them talk about much, they're doing a good job. I think Alex Bowman's been very respectful in that 88 car since he's hopped in it. He had the issue with the tire where he wound up blowing it, hitting the wall in New Hampshire. He qualified in the top five at Michigan, and they had an engine problem. Not his doing. He's run solid in that car every time he's been in it. If you really think about it, take away the mechanical failures, he's run better in that 88 car than Jeff Gordon has. And I think it's something to build on. It's also something that Hendrick Motorsports has to be looking at as where is the future because nobody still knows what the future holds for Dale Earnhardt Jr. He could end up be be back in the car at Daytona next year, have a problem in the shootout, and the concussion symptoms are back, and then they're at it all over again next year. Dale Jr. is probably one wreck away from being done. Then again, everybody's one wreck away from being done. But, I mean, with his concussion (laughs) symptoms – he can easily be a minor wreck away because if you look at the two wrecks he had that caused the concussions this year, he drove away from them. He didn't even hit the wall and have to come out and go to the infield care center. He continued in those races. Mm -hmm. Listen, it's, it's a scary situation he's in. And, uh, you know, for Bowman, it's absolutely an opportunity to prove himself to even prove himself to a future car and say, listen, I was in that 88 car. I did well. Um, and, again, I'll be interested to see New Hampshire. It's going to be an interesting weekend for, for that 88 team and Alex Bowman. I think Bowman is a, is a like you said, a, a very good driver, a driver who can do a lot of good things uh, in the Cup Series, I think, if he gets the right opportunity. But we'll see, you know. And uh, that's, that's, to put a bow on, on these Mutant Ninja Turtles 400 real quick. Again, I thought a very disappointing day for Rash Fenner Racing. And a lot of the chasers sort of had issues um, but as we look at the chase points here quick, um, you know, as Martin Jerks Jr., obviously he advances to the next round, uh, the round of, of, of 12. He'll be in it no matter what uh, with his win at Chicagoland Speedway. Then it's Brad Keselowski, Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, Joey Logano, and Chase Elliott, their top six. Then Matt Kenseth, Jimmy Johnston, Carl Edwards, Kurt Busch, Jim McMurray, and Tony Stewart, the top 12. The four drivers who are currently out, and I think need to really, really have some good runs here at New Hampshire, Austin Dillon, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Larson, and Chris Buescher. And, uh, you know, again, Harvick, I think good thing for Harvick is he runs good at New Hampshire. He runs good at Dover. Uh, Jimmy Johnson does as well. You know, Dover's always Jimmy Johnson's sort of playground there. So that's something to keep in mind as we head to Dover. But uh, I think a lot of these teams are in trouble. I think Chris Buescher couldn't afford a weekend like he had this weekend. 
at Chicagoland Speedway. I think the only way he was able was going to be able to make it to the round of 12 was to roll off some some back to back to back finishes. And he couldn't fall fall off too quickly because if he did, there was no way he was going to be able to get the points back. I don't think he's going to be able to get the points back. I think he's out. Uh, I, I think this 42 team has something to prove here because they got off to a rough start finish wise at Chicagoland Speedway. Can they rebound and get into this chase? It's going to be interesting to see. Same thing with the, with the three-car, Austin Dillon. Um, what do you think moving forward here, what we're going to see from these chases after round one here, John, uh, at Chicagoland Speedway? I'm looking forward to being at New Hampshire this weekend. Um, Tony Stewart finished 16th at the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle 400. He even said flat out they got lucky. They got two lucky dogs to keep them back on the lead lap. If they would have raced with the way they practiced on Saturday, he probably would have finished 35th. But Mike Bogoravich made a lot of good changes on Saturday night and got the car where it was somewhat drivable, as Stewart said. But if you look back at the earlier race, Stewart finished second at New Hampshire, and he was coming at the end. If that would have been a 305-mile race instead of a 301-mile race, Stewart would have won that race. Um, Harvick runs good. The big surprise to me was Kyle Larson. Because Chicago, the track is so worn out. You can go high, you can go low, you can go to the middle. And if you can run high somewhere, Kyle Larson's usually somebody who you can count on being in the mix. And they weren't. They were not close to being uh, contenders on Sunday. So that was the one that surprised me. And Larson isn't that great at New Hampshire because it's basically a one-groove track toward the middle or bottom. And I don't see anything coming from Larson this week. Um, Busher, you might as well just count him out because Roush Fenway does not have the equipment unless by some unknown reason they pull a Pocono and it rains in the middle of it and they sneak out a win that way. But he's going to have to win to get in. Harvick, I think, is still going to be solid. Their car was fast all day Sunday. It wasn't like they were lacking for speed. They just caught got caught in the pits and they never had a yellow to get the lucky dog or anything. Um Dylan, again, I don't think they're ready for it. Slugger Labby's good, but I don't think RCR equipment's as good as Hendrick Motorsports equipment, which is as good as Penske's equipment, which is as good as Gibbs equipment. I don't think they have it in them. But I can see Stuart Haas rebounding this week because New Hampshire has always been a Stuart Haas-type track. Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting weekend at New Hampshire. You know, it'll we'll really find out a lot about – New Hampshire Motor Speedway um, this week. We'll, or excuse me, we'll find out a lot about the chase this week at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. It's going to be uh, we're going to have a lot of questions answered as far as who's a contender, who's really a contender, who's not moving forward at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Okay, um, the teams meeting the Turtles 400. It was a good race. You know, I thought a solid event. Um, you were able to pass. You had a really fast race car. Martin Strix Jr. proved that. Uh, I love the fact that it was quick and, and there was little green flags. I think NASCAR needs to understand that you know, fans don't have three and a half hours anymore to devote to a race. Um, and I thought that that race flew by because it was green. There was a lot of green flag racing. And green flag racing is fun. Um, you know, and I think that was a good thing to see. But all of that, all of what we just talked about, John, has taken a back seat. It took a back seat after post-race when Martin Trucks Jr. and Jimmy Johnson's teams both of them failed post-race laser inspection for Truex. It is the second week in a row the team has failed post-race inspection um, by, by, via the laser. 
And a lot of people, you know, I heard on Sirius XM Speedway, Sirius XM Radio this weekend, NASCAR Radio this weekend, that uh, Steve O'Donnell came on and said Truex and his team would be looked at a little bit differently because they got penalized twice. Um, and it looked like, you know, after on Sunday night that, that they would get just basically a 15-point penalty for Truex and Johnson, which really wouldn't hurt Truex because, well, he won his race at Chicago Land Speedway. Um, so now it comes out this afternoon, this evening, I should say, right before 6 o'clock, which conveniently led into Race Hub and uh, NASCAR America on NBC and Fox Sports 1, that NASCAR will give no penalties to Martin Tricks Jr. and Jimmy Johnson because the, they're going to increase the tolerances in post-race inspection. Basically means to look, you need to be way over the tolerances uh, in order to get that. Now, I understand. I, listen, I think it's a step in the right direction. I think it's ridiculous that uh, we measure these cars by a laser, and if you're one-tenth of an inch off, I think that's, you know, and you get penalized for it, I think it's insanity. I don't know how that can matter much. But where here's where I have a problem with it, John Harlow. What about Ryan Newman? Ryan Newman's a guy who um, had a good year this year, not a great year, a good year this year, but his team failed post-race inspection twice, post-race laser inspection twice this year. And it was a 15-point penalty both times. They lost 30 points to that, and that affected the way they raced at Richmond. Yeah, they wouldn't have made the chase at Rich after everything, but it affected the way they raced at Richmond. And how can you tell me that Ryan Newman is wrong for what he did earlier in the year, and these guys, what they've done is right? I, I'm sorry. I just think it's kind of a, a, a really a, a quick move where you've kind of, you know, penalized one thing all year long and then kind of said, you know what, we're not going to penalize for that anymore. Uh, what's going on here, John? It's almost like the referees fall in the whistle in a two-minute drill. They, they don't want to be the ones to determine who wins and who loses. If Ryan Newman is not penalized to 30 points throughout the year, he goes into Richmond eight points ahead of Jamie McMurray. Ryan, Ryan Newman would be in defense mode, not the super aggressive offense mode that Ryan Newman was in. He wouldn't be banging fenders with Tony Stewart on lap eight or again every time, I mean, whenever they got to each other. He wouldn't have been pushing the envelope and using eight tires instead of four on every turn to try to get that extra position. Newman would have ran a different race at Richmond. We wouldn't have been talking about the Newman and Stewart controversy last week because I think Newman would be in the chase and Jamie McMurray would not have been because of these penalties. The funny part is Newman, I mean, Truex and Larson failed post-race inspection after Richmond, and they got their points docked, but it didn't matter because their points were docked before it was re- allegedly before it was reset for the chase. So NASCAR has, at this point, no credibility because mm-hmm. they can't determine what really is a penalty, what really isn't. If there's a tolerance, and this is what it's going to be, and this is what they were told in the technical bulletin that came out before the chase, that if you're tolerance, we're going to hammer you, which is basically what they said. You're going to get a 35-point penalty, if, and you're going to lose your crew chief for three weeks if you fail laser inspection in the chase. And then all of a sudden, okay, we're not going to penalize either of them because 
Truex was one one hundredth of an inch out, but according to the way they've done it all year, that's a penalty. Mm-hmm. That would have taken the win away. That would have taken, put them back behind the eight ball. It would have put Johnson behind the eight ball. And they didn't, they didn't penalize either of them because they said, well, Truex has the win. It wasn't egregious enough to take the win away. Correct. But he's already locked into going into round two. But it would have put Johnson behind the eight ball. So, yeah, we're going to let it go in an in a effort of fairness. To me, what it tells me, if I'm one of the 16 drivers, do whatever the hell I want. Because in the effort of fairness, everybody gets a trophy, everybody gets a hug, everybody gets ice cream after the game, and that's what it's going to turn out. 917 here if you want to join Talking Circles. Great reference. But I tell you, John, you know, I, I've been hard on NASCAR for a lot of things recently, and I, I truly believe this. I'm a, you know, we've discussed this numerous times. I'm a big believer in trying to open up the rule, books a little, rule book a little bit. I think open up the rule book would be a huge thing for NASCAR. I think it would help this sport immensely. I think, um, you know, part of it, we've taken the complete ingenuity out of this sport. I think everything's too much the same. But again, uh, I said this last week, you know, if you're going to rule with an iron fist, you better rule with an iron fist consistently. And, you know, it bothers you when you hear one thing one week and flip-flopping. The, you hear one thing one week, and then literally a, a week later, they completely change what they were going to do. Um, it just looks d- disorganized. It just looks stupid. It looks like NASCAR doesn't know what they're doing. And I think part of it is, John, here, this is typical NASCAR. They're worried about their image being hurt here. I think they were on social media looking at what everybody was saying, I think they were listening to all the, the personalities talk and saying, listen, we don't really need these cars measured by lasers. And I think they kind of sat there and said, we look bad here, guys. We don't want to be penalizing these teams because it doesn't make any sense to penalize them if it didn't affect the win. What are we doing here? I think they were more worried about their image more than anything. And to me, that is totally, totally the wrong way to go about it. You want to, you don't want to, you know, you want to rule with Iron Fist and say, listen, I know more than, than the fans. I know more than – I would hope. I would hope NASCAR would know more than the people outside of the sport. I would hope the people inside the sport would know more than outside the sport. But that's what it looks like here. It's just this flip-flopping is just insane. And how can you tell me one week on, on Monday that Martin Truex Jr.'s team would be held, would be held accountable for failing post-race laser inspection twice in a row and then give them no penalty – this week, this is something that the that the sport needs to answer. I haven't heard anybody answer this. I want to hear Steve O'Donnell answer this. I want to hear Brian France answer this. What is going on? It's just it's craziness. Well, Steve O'Donnell did come out tonight and say this would not have been a fair penalty to Johnson because Truex had already advanced to the chase. It is. Truex got penalized 15 points and Johnson got penalized 15 points. It would be not fair to Johnson because Truex has advanced to the chase to the second round. But, I throw the BS flag yeah. on it. Yeah. And as I look at this, there are two things. You brought one of them up is the NASCAR rule book needs to be something that is printed out. If we want to look at the NFL rule book, it's available online. 
If we mm-hmm. want to look at the Major League Baseball rule book, it's available online. NASCAR rule book is not. The other thing, if NASCAR wants to do this right, and if they're going to do the Iron Fist or not the Iron Fist, what they need is video cameras in the inspection and they're going to supposedly laser inspect all 16 chase cars the rest of the chase. They need video cameras in while they're running through the laser inspection. Because if that happens and somebody fails it, you have Larry Mack and Jeff Hammond on race, I mean on um, NASCAR Race Hub and you have Steve Letarte on NASCAR America who are able to explain why it failed, what competitive advantage could have happened because of the failure, and you have somebody outside your umbrella explaining the problem of why it failed and what competitive advantage it could have had. Mm -hmm. That's where they need to go. If you're going to do it, you need to be transparent about it, and that's something that's never been in NASCAR's purview. Listen, and, and here's the thing I, I don't I just don't understand. You know, this is a, this is the same sport who at Darlington penalized Jimmy Johnson for pulling out a side skirt on a race car, uh, literally four centimeters, and not even, not even, and he gets a pass through penalty. You know, loses the lap. It, it it just and 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 for leaning on the rear end of his race car. I mean, how can you tell me that that isn't over tolerances when we didn't even measure the car yet. So everything that happens in race, when you see something on pit road, you can't set, you can't penalize these teams anymore because we've got, we're going to sit there all going to say, well, is that in the, in the tolerance, out of the tolerances? It just, it's, it's just ridiculous. And another point here, as we have a caller here, John, but I want to get to one, one point before I get to the caller. What is going on with these swerving uh, on the cool down last NASCAR is worried about cars, Swerving on the cooldown laps to get intolerant in the tolerance, but yet they don't care at all. If the leader goes out there, the winner of the race goes out there and burns out the car and shakes the car left, right, back, forward during burnouts, it's just it's it's almost comical that that this is the way they're going to rule this sport. Uh, you know, it, it's just craziness. And we have a caller here. Uh, what's your name? Where are you calling from? This is Lee in Virginia. What do you want to talk about tonight, Lee? I want to chime in on this inspection thing with you guys a little bit here. Um, there's a lot that goes into it, and I think I want to know how, for one, how you guys would have reacted had they handed out penalties because I think NASCAR, and listen, I, I'm, I'm with you on NASCAR. They need to get consistent, but I think if they handed out penalties to this, you would have heard people go ballistic on them. I think I think part of the reason, Clayton, you're right, is they said, you know, they looked at social media and realized that there would be a major, if they handed out a major penalty to the 78, it wouldn't be very popular among fans because of the story of the 78 and, and the, the feel-good story that it is. But my thing is, all of a sudden now, you know, John made a point before that O'Donnell said it wouldn't have been the same point to the 48 as it would have been to the 78. It wouldn't have been the same penalty. When they announced this format three years ago, we said, what happens when somebody fails post-race? Points don't matter. And everybody laughed in our face and said, oh, no, it's okay. These guys aren't going aren't to cheat. Uh, you know, that's not a big deal. And here we are three years later now, and we're, we're right back to where we said we were going to be. You know, everybody said, oh, well, you know, it's not the same penalty if you win a race and move into the next round. They better, they better, do, they better take away win benefits. And NASCAR now is saying, oh, well, we're not going to penalize anybody because it's not the same for everybody. Well, we knew that three years ago. To me, it's just mind-boggling. 
Nine, oh, the seven, one eight, thing eight, that nine, I also eight. read out ahead, of Steve John. O'Donnell tonight, I read out of Steve O'Donnell tonight, is if it's egregious, what's egregious? Tell us what exactly. it is. Inform us. Let us know what we're looking for. It's sort of like I said, they put a video camera in there during the laser inspection. You have Larry Mack, Jeff Hammond, or Steve O'Donnell, go or Steve Latart going through and explaining why the car failed inspection. And you'll have less of the social media chatter. You won't have people going, oh, this is stupid. They got screwed, blah, blah, blah. But you have the people explaining what the problem is, and you can see it instead of, well, they failed inspection while well, it's done in the back room, I mean, the back of the garage while everybody's hugging, kissing in Victory Lane. It's just total stupid. Yeah. It's, it's listen, and this is what well, the sad part is again. You know, we had all this chatter totally, totally, totally um, overriding the race the race results we saw. And I think that matters to NASCAR because they're going to sit there. And honestly, we've seen, what, four or five weeks in a row where somebody's failed post-race laser inspection. They don't want that to happen again. And I can guarantee you if they lasered 30 cars in that, 40 cars in that field, 30 of them might fail laser inspection. You know, and that just doesn't make sense because, again, Ryan, poor Ryan Newman who, listen, I know he's uh, – He's going to be fine. His career is going to be fine. But this is a team who, in my opinion, deserved to make the chase and got two 15-point penalties. They lost Luke Lambert for a couple, for amount of time, that 30 team. And I just felt like one team, excuse me, they lost Luke Lambert for a long time. I just felt that here's a team two weeks ago, It's if it's if it's not okay two weeks ago, it shouldn't be okay today. And I know it's the chase, especially because, you know, it affected somebody's chase run. That's where I really have a problem with. And, 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 and how is it any different from the regular season to the chase? Because a right. win still advances you into the next round. You know, I mean, it, it, essentially a win in the regular season advances you into the next round, which is the start of the chase. So how is that any different, in my opinion? It, it's not. It, it's And now what they set the precedent of is, okay, well, they said that Jimmy Johnson and, and, and the 78 Mark Truex Jr. would have P2 level penalties. Well, now you're not going to penalize anybody for a P2 level penalty if the guy wins the race. How 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 do you go about that now from now on? It just doesn't make any the sense. The other part it's, is, it's we're, Clayton, crazy. one of the things that you said was Newman's going to be okay. Newman's in a contract year. Mm-hmm. Newman makes the chase. He may still be in the 31 next year. Right now, nobody knows if he's going to be in there, if it's going to be Ty Dillon in the 31. That could be Newman's career by making the chase. There's also money that goes into their pockets for a bonus for making the chase that Newman is not going to get because NASCAR decided that penalties have been that way all year. One of the things that really bugs me about this penalty situation and the way it is, in baseball, the first day of opening day, it's 60 feet, 6 inches from the mound to home plate. Game seven of the World Series, it's 60 feet, six inches from the mound to home plate. They don't move the mound up to 58 feet because it's not fair to the pitcher. The football field's still 100 yards long. They're still playing for 60 minutes. Hey, hey John, opening day or the minutes. Super Bowl. A holding healthy is still 10 yards in the playoffs. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and that's, now they're that's changing the, the penalty. Crazy man. Right, and that's, just, that's the problem with it. I think – if you wanted to do this next year, at the end of this year and say, you know what, we didn't like what we had this year, 
We thought we were too strict on the penalties. I would have been okay with that because I totally, totally agree with that. I think that is an absolute – they are too strict on penalties. I think measuring cars with lasers is stupid. I think the fact that if Kevin Harvick bangs you in the right rear without a tolerance, that's the difference between failing and, 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 uh, and passing post-race inspection. I think that's a little bit too much. But, again, we've, had, we've seen so many penalties this year where post-race, you fail post-race inspection – Oh well, sorry. You know we don't care if you're out of tolerance. Ryan Newman said he was he was he was damaged after Darlington when he got when he got banged for a penalty. But yet that doesn't matter. Again, I just think you guys are hitting the nail on the head. Where we're going to nine chase races with different penalty formats than we did before that, and I'm sure everybody's happy. There's a lot of people out there happy tonight, even the drivers maybe because we don't have to worry about being out of tolerance because they accidentally rub fenders with somebody at at New Hampshire next weekend. But I agree with you guys. I think. Totally, it's a totally ridiculous um, thing that we have to worry about now that these penalties are completely different because it's just not fair to, the way to, to penalize them. And my thing is, and John brought it up, it's great. It's a great point. Where, how much is too much? We don't know that. Nobody knows that. And that's going to be the difference between somebody winning a championship and not winning a championship. It's it's ridiculous in my opinion. And, and the thing is, is somebody now they're going to all be pushing the limits because. They know that they can get away with being a little bit over tolerance. So they're all going to be pushing the limits, and somebody's going to push it too far and get banged and get nailed. And it's going to be a 30-point penalty, and it's going to cost them the championship. And then they're really going to be looking like a bunch of idiots. I mean, this is why you can't change it mid-season. You need to go and sit back in the off-season and say, "Here's what we need to do. Here's here's a good idea," and then think about the repercussions of each of each move that you're going to make. I think sometimes they pull the trigger too early on some things. Clayton, you mentioned the swerving. I wanted to get to that. It seems like these cars are now, during the course of the race, uh, getting getting more and more. Uh, remember the twisted sister? Remember with Sam Hornish Jr. when he won his when he won his All Star race years ago? The car was almost sideways going down the front straightaway. These cars are starting to get like that again, and by swerving, they're being able to come back into straightness during the cool down laps and being able to pass inspection. Cole Perrin told Martin Truex Jr. Make sure you clean off your tires. <laughs> wink, wink during the cool-down laps. And all these teams are doing it now, and some teams, some teams, some of the bigger teams are not. And they're, they're blowing the whistle on these smaller, on these other teams saying, hey, police this because it's costing these teams a lot of money to make these chassis be able to do that, and we can't afford it and we can't keep up. And you can probably draw a conclusion of who got hammered at Chicagoland, what team got destroyed at Chicagoland, and who might have blown the whistle there. The one you got to laugh at is Kozlowski said in an interview last week, that it's almost like they're driving a transformer car because it'll do whatever they need it to during the race. And then it'll get back inside tolerance for inspection. Yep. So why even have inspection? Yeah. And, and that's the thing it's, and I, here's the thing again that I mentioned, you know, your NASCAR's worried about that on the cool down lap, but they don't care that the leader goes out there, puts their car any way they want the winner of the race puts their car any way they want. You know, you can go left, right, up, down, sideways, backwards, forwards during a burnout. That's okay. And you can even tear the fenders off if the wind means a lot to you. But, um, you know, we don't really want you swerving left and right on, on a cool down lap. It's just, to me, it's just like, what in the world is going on here? And, you know, it just, same thing. You know, we just want to see some consistency. And NASCAR came out with these P penalties where you thought it looked organized, the P1 through 6. It looked organized. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, that makes a little bit of sense. And now they've completely t- discarded during the post-race inspection 
one, two, and three of that, they're thrown out in the garbage, and it's four or five. It, it's just a, it's a complete and utter mess. And I don't know how NASCAR can honestly look in the face and say they didn't screw up because they've screwed up big time here. And uh, it's it's really a shame because, again, it's really hurt. I thought Chicago Land, and this is where I get upset, where people come out and say that people like me, like John and like Lee, are the reason why NASCAR and the declining ratings are down because we talk negative about the sport and yada, yada, none of them know. The reason why the ratings are down, the reason why the attendance are down, the reason why all that is true is because of this, this ridiculous stuff we see week in and week out that NASCAR does. And the, the inconsistency with the penalties, the saying one thing one week and completely changing it the next week, that's the problem with this sport. That's what everybody turns everybody off, and that's where they, what they have to stop doing if they want to bring fans back. It doesn't matter about the product or anything like that. That's the stuff that fans go, you know what, this is ridiculous. Well, we had the big press conference last week where Scott Miller and Steve O'Donnell sat down and did the NASCAR big conference call where they said, we will hammer you if you fail inspection. Didn't mean it. It's almost like Vince McMahon is out there. If you, I mean, if you think about it, years ago, Tony Stewart got fined for calling NASCAR the WWF or WWE now. It's almost like Tony's words are coming to life. No wonder he wants to go back and drive dirt cars. Cause, I mean, the rules there are your engine has to be one size, your chassis has to be inspected, you have to run a certain tire, and you have to weigh a certain amount when you cross the, waist, the, the scales at the end. But the rules that up that simple. Then you give the crew chiefs yep. a chance to do whatever the heck they want to the car, make it weigh the same amount whenever they cross, make sure they don't do anything to the tires, make sure the engine, make sure the chassis pass, and let them have at it. I agree. I think if we get that closer to that, uh, to that, I think the sport's better off. And and it just it just again it makes people wonder. Like even the NFL, we see this in the NFL where you know maybe uh, a hit is too high one week and it's not high in the next and stuff like that. But to me, that has a minimal impact on the game. And it doesn't completely determine whether or not somebody advances or not. You know, there's other, there's, compl- there's a million plays in an NFL game that matter. Uh, so I, don't, I think those are very little compared to what we see in NASCAR. But uh, listen, especially if you're going to take points away and wins away, you know, it's got to be, it, it, we've got to see some consistency, no doubt about it. Lee, you have to wonder if there's some sort Talk about yeah. You have to wonder if there's some sort of disconnect between the people running the sport and the day-to-day business point and the guy at the top. And we all know who we're talking about. The guy at the top is. And then you got O'Donnell and Miller coming out and saying that in a press conference two weeks ago, saying we're going to penalize this. And then all of a sudden now they're not doing anything. You have to wonder if the guys down below, the the people who are running the day-to-day, are getting overruled by the guy at the top. And if that is, then they need to be dis- there, there's a lot of disconnect there, and they need to get on the same page. And it's seen that way on a lot of rulings lately, and that's not good for NASCAR. You're right. It and does if you seem remember, that way Brian Franz got his start in NASCAR as a PR guy. Yep. Yep. And and they'd say, listen, you know, we've heard numerous things about drivers coming out. Tony Stewart. Uh, I feel like there's another driver pretty vocal about it too, where they don't, you don't, uh, maybe even Greg Biffle, where we don't see Brian in the garage very much. Um, and he kind of leaves that to another group of area group. But you know, of all, again, of all the things that NASCAR needs to do, I think the product's number one. And number two is just kind of have some consistency where I think, honestly, 
they've been laughed at, and and that's the worst part. That's the worst thing you can have as a sport. They've been looked at, and mocked, and gimmicked, and laughed at, saying this is a complete and utter joke. What's going on here with these penalties? And that is something that they need to fix because if they don't fix that, the ratings will continue to decline, and every everybody will look at this sport as a joke. And that's something you don't want to do. And I, listen, I love this sport, and I know it's hard. I'm not saying it's easy that to 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 this sport, but John, you're right. Let's have some kind of. If you're over this mark, that's it. You're going to fail, no doubt about it. Um, but it's it to me, it's a fact of where it needs to be a little bit more discreet than a laser. I think they've paid a lot of money for this laser inspection. I think that they don't want to go away from the laser inspection because they put a lot of money into it. But I think measuring cars by lasers is absolutely ridiculous. 917-889-8280 if you want to join the conversation here on Talking Circles. Lee in Virginia, you got anything else to add before I let you go? No. Thanks, guys. It's been a great show, and I'm looking forward to New Hampshire this weekend, and let's hope that this goes away and we can talk about the chase and the racing and and who's maybe moving on, who needs to win and run good at Dover Downs after New Hampshire. We'll see. Amen, Lee. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Thanks for the call. Always a great call. Always great having you, Lee. From Virginia. Yeah, always a great call. And listen, it, it's it. He had a lot, a lot of good points there. But to end this, I just think we need to see some consistency. And at the end of the day, you know, I, I want the champion to feel legit. Um, and a lot of people think this chase format isn't legit, but that's another discussion for another day. But I want this champion to feel a little bit legit. Um, and I just think if NASCAR – and I don't think – I think you're totally right when you said NASCAR doesn't want to determine who wins this championship. But they're getting to a very, very interesting state because you put all your emphasis on one race at Homestead Miami Speedway. And if I'm a team and a driver and I go out outside of tolerances, I dare NASCAR, with how much they worry about their public image, I dare them to take a win away from you because I don't think they're going to have the guts to do it. I really don't. If, if somebody comes in – Way over tolerance, I doubt I, Homestead Miami Speedway, they win the race. I would I would be stunned to see NASCAR say, you know what, we're going to pull you out of victory lane. You're no longer, after all the championship publicity, going on ESPN Sports Center winning a championship and coming out the next day and saying, sorry, that guy's not the champion because he failed post-race inspection. Uh, I think that would be a bad uh, black eye for the sport. I would, if I'm at one of those teams at Homestead, I dare NASCAR to do that. And that's one of the things that you'll, one of the, I mean, whenever I said about putting a video camera in there or letting the media in there, whatever they do inspection to watch and see what happens, that'll never happen. Just because of that, that say if somebody gets the homestead and is out of tolerance after they've already hoisted the cup over their head on NBC, once they've been on sports center, once they've done the car wash and make sure everybody's, uh, interviewed them in victory lane and with the big trophy ceremony and holding up the big pretend cardboard check. And then they fail post-race inspection. Nobody will ever see or know about it. You're right. And that's, that's the reason why we won't see that. Absolutely. Because of public relations, that's, you know, and, and the, and the, and the um, reputation this sport would have, because again, if, if, you know, I know it helped in 1959, but 1959 was a little bit, uh, a long time ago. And I don't think it will help at all in 2015, 2016. People are going to be looking at this going, that's stupid. That he announced the champion of the sport. He does all the championship interviews, and he's no longer the champion. 9789 if you want to join the conversation here on Talking Circles. Last 10 minutes of the show, John, I want to bring up a couple of points before, let's, before we get off the air here. One is Paul, uh, John Menard's comments this week. 
John Menard was talking to ESPN slash the Associated Press, and he's, you know, it was basically said that Roger Penske had lockdown sponsorship for all three of his IndyCar teams next year, with Menard signing on for Simon Pagano for 10 races uh, next season. Uh, Saturday returns John Menard to a high-profile role in the IndyCar after a long absence. His son, Paul, and NASCAR, he sponsors, of course, and he said that he and Menard are signed through, with Richard Childress Racing in NASCAR through 2017. So moving his son to Penske's organization is not currently being discussed. Now, there was a big rumor and big article that came out uh, a couple of weeks ago, about a mo- maybe a couple of months ago now, that had uh, a rumor about Paul Menard possibly moving to Team Penske. That opened up a lot of in- interesting uh, conversation because maybe Menard was going to move to Team Penske with a 32s charter. Maybe Menard, you know, that would open up a seat for Ty Dillon to come into that that role. Now it looks like Menard staying, which is pretty much everybody who thought that, uh, pretty much it makes a lot more sense for him to stay at Richard Childress Racing. Um, so that's where he's staying, and it kind of leaves you to wonder, you know, what's going on at Richard Childress Racing? Um, also another interesting uh little layer to this whole story is H. Scott Motorsports said they're unsure of their plans for next year. Five Hour Energy's Black Peak is going with uh, Clint Boyer next year with two Stuart Haas Racing. Uh, they have, a, obviously, Michael Annette in the 46 team, which has Pilot Flying J as the sponsor, but uh, Michael Annette hasn't run really good in, the, in his cup career, uh, and you have to wonder if he's going to keep that charter or if he's better off selling it and doing what he does with, with Annette now and run without a charter and see if he can't make the field if he makes more money from that. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting little news quirks that came out this week uh, about silly season. What do you think we're going to see? I mean, the really big thing is Ty Dillon said, you know, they've kept consistent. Ty Dillon going to be in the Cup Series next year for Richard Childress Racing Car, but where do you see him going? Do you see him staying, uh, Ryan Newman being replaced there? What, what, what are your thoughts there on the RCR situation? Well, one of the things that they're going to have to think about, they need sponsorship. If they're going to go to a fourth car and Bass Pro Shops has signed up with Martin Truex and Bass Pro Shops has been Ty Dillon's sponsor from the truck series on up. Um, I think Newman's in jeopardy. I really do. Paul Menard's got the money of his dad, so he'll stay in whatever ride he wants. Signing Daniel Hemrick to the Xfinity car that Richard Childress has and again, signing um, the other Jones kid, Brandon Jones, re-signing him. Right. Those Brandon are the two Jones. cars. And they had a third car, which Austin ran on occasion in the Xfinity and, series. And there's no hope for Ty in the Xfinity too. series, except probably split, splitting the ride with Austin. So they got to get him up to the cup. I don't think they're going to put him into 95. I think if he's going to go to Cup, he's driving for Papa, and Austin's not leaving. Paul Menard's not leaving. That leaves Ryan Newman on the hot seat. And there's really not a ride for Ryan Newman to fall into next year unless he goes to Roush or Richard Petty Motorsports or some team that isn't also ran. And if I'm Ryan Newman, hey, I might just hang it up because I'd rather drive. I'd rather pull the Sam Hornish thing. I'd rather drive nothing than drive crap. Well, I think Newman, with all due respect, I think Ryan Newman's an amazing talent. I think somebody would make some room for him somewhere. 
And, uh, you know, even if he does a one-year deal like Clint Boyer did this year and hope and wait for a ride to be open the following year, I think that would probably be a better move for him. But, yeah, you know, it's very interesting because there's just not a lot of feats out there right now. And, uh, you know, you mentioned about the Xfinity Series, too. They signed Hemrick uh, this week. They announced that. They also announced it sounds like Brendan Gaughan's going to be back full-time for Richard Childress Racing as well, uh, where there were some yep. rumors that Gaughan would be out of that ride because the sponsorship wasn't going to be there. But now it looks like, you know, they found a sponsorship for that 62 team. He'll be back there. So that's four Xfinity cars if you include the, the deal with Austin Dillon's two-team with Reen. So, yeah, no, it, it they need to get him into the Cup Series. I think he's learned everything he needs to learn down there in the Xfinity Series. He hasn't won as many races as you'd like to see, but, you know, he could turn out on a dime here and maybe win some races toward the end of the year. But, you know, it's very interesting. Ryan Newman's a guy who, uh, you know, I think he can win some good, some races and, and good stuff. Um, he, he's a great qualifier, which is huge as well. Um, so we'll, I guess we'll wait and see. You know, it's awful late in the game for this not to be uh, kind of signed, sealed, and delivered and getting ready for 2016 and everything's not – or 2017, excuse me, and everything's not, you know, under the wraps yet. It's kind of surprising, actually. But I guess we'll find out here in the next couple of weeks about what's going on. Um, you know, who knows? I mean, there's a lot of – you know, you could maybe uh, – maybe Newman holds out and says, you know what, I'm going to see what Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s future is at the 88. And if they need to hire somebody for one year at the 88 car – until William, or a couple of years with the 88 car until William Byron's ready, maybe I'll go there. All this is very interesting, John Harlow. The one thing that probably keeps everything open is what does Caterpillar want? Ryan Newman is a perfect representative for Caterpillar. He does all the land clearing in his house. He's got probably Caterpillar tractors all over the place. He's the right guy to be in the Caterpillar car. Does Caterpillar want a rookie with minimal wins at the Xfinity and truck level who his grandfather wants to drive for? Is Caterpillar going to come back? Is Richard Childress Racing going to have the sponsorship? And, you know, the investment bankers who are part owners of the Childress team have been trying to sell out for years and still haven't. They haven't found somebody to take over that investment. So Childress's mm-hmm. team is not as stable as everybody thinks it's going to be. And yeah, that team doesn't want to race. Building the it's thing for class. the grandchildren's nice, but you got to make money along the way. Absolutely. And they haven't won a race since since Arvick left and left Superhouse Racing. Um, and they haven't won a championship. People forget the last time they won a championship, 1994, with Dale Earnhardt in his seventh championship. That was the last time Richard Childress Racing won a championship. They were close with Newman uh, a couple of years ago, close with Harvick a few times, but they never quite won it, which is surprising considering they've had three cars for a better part of almost 15 years. So, uh, yeah, it's very surprising. I want to thank Lee from Virginia for the call, John. I want to thank you for helping me out tonight. Um, you know, I know it's not exactly ideal circumstances for you, but uh, great job as always. I want to thank the fans for listening to this show on Talking in Circles. Uh, New Hampshire Motor Speedway next week. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, second race of the chase. Again, we're going to find out a lot, a lot more uh, as we move forward here in, at New Hampshire Motor Speedway as we get ready for the chase. We'll see you next weekend, everybody, after New Hampshire. Good night, everybody. <laughs>